am Evan Marquette, dating coach for smart, strong, successful women, and your personal trainer for love. Welcome to the Love You podcast, where you'll learn how to operate from a place of confidence and make better choices with men. When we're done, I'll let you know how you could apply to Love You to create a passionate relationship that makes you feel safe, heard, and understood. Got an interesting concept that we're going to be talking about momentarily, something I've been ruminating on for a few years that I don't know if if I've ever put into one of my 300 podcasts. So hopefully you stick around to the end to catch the whole thing. Before we get started, a little housekeeping, uh, make sure you subscribe on Apple. Make sure you subscribe on Spotify. If you are a subscriber, please be kind enough to leave us a positive review. It means a lot. And big news is that tomorrow, like tomorrow, I am doing the Love You Bootcamp. This is something, it's only the second time I've ever done this before. It covers all the highlights of my signature six-month course, and it does so in only five hours. And this is taking place on Saturday, January 27th. If you don't have plans for tomorrow and you're really motivated and you're saying, hey, if I have nothing to do, I might as well learn everything there is to know about dating relationships and men at once. You want to find love in 2024, go to com forward slash bootcamp and enroll. And I will see you there. Uh, it's a great time. Uh, it's intimate. It's fun. Uh, cover a lot of ground. You're going to take crazy amounts of notes. Your head is going to be on fire in the best possible way at the end of Love You Bootcamp. And if you can't make it tomorrow, you also have an opportunity to sign up for the next Love You Bootcamp, which is on Saturday, February 17th. So um, if you want to get a taste of Love You without making the big six-month commitment, this is a great way to start. Go to evanmarquettes.com forward slash bootcamp. Now, tell a story. Telling stories is easier than reading from scripts. So I'm going to tell a story. The story is of my mother. Everybody can tell a story about their family. This is mine. It's a pretty unique story, I think. Uh, not the beginning. My mother, uh, born in 1946, lower middle class Brooklyn. Uh, neither of her parents uh, had education or money. Uh, my mom did not go to college, uh, didn't have any money, got married to my father in 1968, age 21, and stayed married for the next 30 years until my dad passed away. Uh, he was 53. My mom was 51. And it was a good, not great marriage. Uh, I remember some rocky times. Uh, I remember some fighting. I remember some talk of a divorce. I remember some therapy from my 11, 12-year-old years or something like that. But that's the exception to the rule for the most part. They liked each other. They loved each other. Uh, we did a lot of family stuff together, uh, eating dinner, board games, family vacations, inside jokes. Um, we were a tight family uh, with parents who didn't necessarily have the self-awareness or communication skills to be an amazing couple, but they were a good couple. And after we, my sister and I went to college, they got stronger, became a better couple as they reached their 30th anniversary before my dad died. What my dad was, uh, was a product of his environment. Also lower middle-class Brooklyn, um, Russian immigrant parents, uh, tough, hardworking, not chivalrous, not sensitive. He was a man, uh, a man of his time and a great dad and a decent husband. So after my mom was widowed, she took a few years to herself, picked up and moved to Florida where she always wanted to go for the weather. And within a relatively short period of time uh, of moving to Florida into this 55 and older community, she 
told me that she was talking to this guy that she would, she would walk their dog. They would walk their dogs together. And he was a really sweet guy. And this guy just killed her with kindness. It was almost like a, like a, a movie, this, how this guy showed up for her, right? Just really gentle, you know, like, I'll take care of your dog if you go away and I'll buy you this and I'll lift the heavy grocery bag and I'll open the car door for you. Eventually, he took her on vacation to Italy and paid off her car. He, he really liked grand gestures. And they were together for eight months or something like that. And my dad was not not as chivalrous as that, not as sensitive as that, not as thoughtful. And this is the guy who would who would cook dinner and clean up. He was that guy. He's really just a, a, a doer, a sweet teddy bear of a man. So my mom uh, married him. They were dating for less than a year. I walked her down the aisle, gave a speech. I knew it was a mistake, not to give away the punchline. I knew it was a mistake. Uh, and I knew it was a mistake, not because he didn't treat her well. Every woman deserves to be treated as well as this man treated my my mom. She made a mistake because she wasn't attracted to him, because she didn't respect him, because they didn't laugh together. Those are some pretty serious things that were missing. All he had was his kindness, his gentleness, his chivalry. So the point of this story is that my mom overcorrected in the most predictable way. She went from the, you know, worka, workaholic alpha male kind of guy to this sweet, you know, gentle, sit on the couch, do whatever, you know, whatever you tell him to do kind of man. And he had no fire and my mom's pretty fiery. And so you could say, oh, they were a good balance. She went way in the other direction and married a man who very predictably, she ended up leaving two years later for a variety of reasons, which I won't get into here. But I wanted to establish the concept of overcorrection. If you were with one kind of person, right, it's very normal to try to go to the other end of the spectrum and there are consequences towards this. Briefly, I want to cite my wife's family. I don't want to talk about my wife's family too much because I don't think I have the same permission, but my wife's uh, father is sort of a right-wing, sexist, misogynist military guy. Sorry. And that's what my wife grew up in and her mother got sick of that act when my wife was around 13, got divorced. The guy she's been with for the past 35, 40 years, sweet, gentle, beta guy, waits to be waits to do what he's told, not the center of attention, socially awkward, really, really nice person, very generous of spirit, uh, but way to the other end of the spectrum. Her dad was like a top gun kind of guy. This guy is, let's just say the opposite end of that. And there was no middle ground. And that's the thing I found striking about the overcorrection. There's, there's no real middle ground. And I believe the middle ground is where it's always at. So on a more practical level, I want you to consider your own patterns. Have you ever done anything resembling this overcorrection? I'm just telling stories of me and my wife and their moms and their second husbands. So my guess is you've done some version of the overcorrection. So let me know if you're with me so far. Have you ever been in a relationship where there was no attraction or the passion had died and you stopped having sex? or you never were really that into it and you accepted it. And the next thing you know, you went five years without being touched, without being desired, without feeling excited. Is it any surprise that 
after that relationship ends, you're going to look for chemistry and passion and amazing sex? Of course, it's not surprising that you will look for that. Is it surprising that if you're the woman who took care of everything and you were the mother and you were the father and you were the breadwinner and he was a slacker who couldn't get his act together or couldn't hold down a job, that the next time around, you would look for a guy with money? Is that any surprise that you would do that? Of course not. It makes sense. It's logical. The problem is the extreme. So when we go from sexless into, oh my God, I need to have sex with this guy twice a day, passion's the most important thing, what happens, we also often get lost we sacrifice passion and then we discover the guy we're passionate about with is emotionally unavailable or he's not very kind or he doesn't communicate well. But boy, at least you have your passion and then you end up marrying the guy with the passion and that relationship blows up. Or you find the guy who is has financial stability, but you didn't realize he was a tyrant. You didn't realize he had no uh, emotional EQ and couldn't put your emotional needs first, wasn't sensitive to your cues, right? Just valued hard work, buying nice things, figured he could give you a tennis bracelet for Valentine's Day and that would suffice for love. But boy, at least you got this gorgeous lifestyle and you put up with it because, well, it's better than having to take care of a slacker. So this is what I mean by the overcorrection. It's important to learn from your mistakes. You, sh you shouldn't have a relationship without saying, hey, the next time around, I'm not gonna do that again. What we don't wanna do is go so far to the other end of the spectrum that we make a completely different mistake. And that's the kind of thing that I see happen all the time, right? Not occasionally. This is something that needs to be in the lexicon, the overcorrection, right? Going from one extreme to the other, from the guy who never texted me to the guy who smothers me, right? From the guy who was taciturn and never sh shared his emotions to the guy who is um, a basket case. And again, I can make these things up all day long. The answer, as always, is in between. Everything in moderation. You don't need a guy with a private jet. You need a guy who could support himself. You don't need a guy who wants it three times a day. You need a guy who desires you, who has a libido, who attempts to please you and is successful at pleasing you in bed. Right? It does not have to be anything extreme because extremes is usually where things blow up. The guy who's, who's mega rich is mega rich because he's a workaholic or he overvalues money and doesn't value connection. Right? The guy who is his own version of sex addict nymphomaniac maybe puts too much emphasis on sex and puts less emphasis on other things that might be more important in a long-term relationship. I'm not anti-money. I'm not anti-sex. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm not anti-anything. If anything, I want to make sure that you realize that there's plenty of men out there who occupy that middle ground between the extreme of the guy you left and the extreme that you go to. And if you keep on vacillating between these two extremes, you'll end up telling yourself this story that's not true. There are no good men. Every guy has got some fatal flaw. No, men who have extreme issues have fatal flaws. There's plenty of really amazing guys out there who don't have any debilitating problem. It's that they're not the sexiest guy on the planet or the richest guy on the planet or the smartest guy on the planet. They're just nice, normal human beings like you who are looking for love also, here's the kicker, overcorrecting, doing the exact same thing, going from the needy ex-girlfriend to the wildly independent ex-girlfriend who doesn't need him, that kind of thing. So 
if we could all dial down our overcorrections and pay attention to how it feels. And your body will tell you if it feels off. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be terribly surprised that your tendency is to overcorrect. You could catch it in the act and make sure it doesn't happen again. And thankfully, that's what my mom did. My mom's third partner, who is a wife, which is also a long story, um, is the combination of my mom's first two husbands, right? She's a, a lesbian who is funny like my dad, hardworking and industrious like my dad, right? But she cooks a mean Italian meal. She knows how to deal with my mom and her moods and all the things that come with that. No disrespect to anybody involved, right? And she's got the sensitivity gene that my mom's second husband had that my, my dad did not have, right? She stumbled upon that. She didn't listen to any of her son's dating advice, I promise you. It took her until she was 69 to accidentally land on a partner who was the combination of her two husbands. You do not have to wait that long, right? If you're serious about finding love now, please stick with me. I will hold your hand and get you the love that you deserve. But it does mean you got to do something different to produce a different result. Please subscribe to the Love You Podcast on Apple. Please subscribe on Spotify. Please leave us a positive review. review. And if you're listening and you feel motivated by what I just shared with you, please go to www.evanmarkatz.com forward slash bootcamp. Love You Bootcamp is tomorrow, January 27th. It is going to be a big day. I'm going to give you all the highlights of Love You in about five hours. I'm going to teach you like a lifetime of material in five hours. So it's going to be a, a, a life-changing day that you will never, ever forget. And if you can't make it tomorrow, you could still go to evanmarkatz.com forward slash bootcamp and sign up for the next one that we're doing because uh, we know people are busy and we know this is last minute. The next one will take place on February 17th. Uh, I love you. I appreciate you. I thank you for listening to the Love You podcast and listening to me tell my stories. And I hope I made a point that will stick with you that you can use in your real life. Have a great day. And I hope to see you in class tomorrow. 